Good morning, loves. This is Constance of First Generation Healers. I'm so excited about our episode today with Karen Karras. She is an internationally certified NLP trainer and life coach trainer. Her mission is to support you in bringing the best you to the world of coaching and training. So let's get to it. Thank you so much for being on my podcast, Karen. Could you tell me about your journey to finding NLP? Sure, I can. I'm now a neuro-linguistic programming trainer about 20 years ago. My dad's been gone 21 years. Uh, He came home from work and put his dinner in the microwave and dropped dead. It was pretty quick and it was a big shock because I was daddy's girl. At the time, I had a dear friend who had become a practitioner, a certified practitioner in NLP. And he'd been talking to me about it. And then dad's death was what we call a catalyst event. It's a life-shaking event that completely changes your perception of the world, if you like, how you do the world. It's disruptive. It's it's huge. Catalyst events come in many different forms. The company I was, I was working for, a global IT company, the country manager saw me walking across the street and he said, uh, you just nearly got hit by a bus. And I wasn't even aware of it because when you're in trauma, your awareness and your interaction with the world, you feel dissociated, or I certainly did. I had the good fortune to hire an NLP practitioner. I had a 10-year-old daughter at the time. And it helped me put my life back together in a way that I could go to work, I could be present, I could cope and process what had happened with my father. And it worked for me because it wasn't about digging into the story of the trauma because we now know a lot more about memories through neuroscience than we used to. At the same time, Tony Robbins was running his 3 a.m. infomercials as they were back then and got really, really curious. So I looked at neuro-linguistic programming, interviewed trainers, found out a lot more about Tony Robbins and decided to become the sort of person that could be trained by Tony Robbins as trainer. And that's what started my journey. What I love about it is it's quick. It's what we call content-free and it can help the programs of the mind or neurons that fire together, wire together. It can help shift them really fast to recalibrate to another phase or another stage rather than living in the experience. I love that. And can you touch on more about why we don't want to dig into the story? Is there like a certain point where it's not always effective? There absolutely is a certain point. So over the years, I mean, I've been widowed twice and my only child got cancer. So over the years, I've had counseling and psychotherapy. And that's very good to help process the story when you're in it. But after a while in processing the story, we're just constantly adding to the memory and feeding it and feeding the trauma. When you're ready to move beyond and there'll be a click that says, oh, I'm done with that. You know, this is not helping me. That's when NLP comes in and we shift the patterns of the story. So neurologically, when we dig into the story, we're feeding the emotional chemicals, if you like, the neurochemistry, we're reinstalling the emotions, we're reinstalling the event and making it larger and larger and larger. We're reliving the event over and over and over and often we're adding to it as in the retelling, which is useful for processing. But there comes time and it's time to be done with it. For many people, it's like, I can't get over myself. I need to move forward. You know, why can't I do the things I want to do? And it's because while you might be done with your trauma, you don't have the tools to shift beyond it and and reframe it or see it in another light or take the learnings from the experience. I love that. It seems like NLP also is partially like law of attraction, but also shadow work mixed together. Because from what I noticed, from what I noticed from what you talk about on Facebook, you talk about not only exploring wanting success, but looking at, well, how am I causing failure in my life? So NLP looks at failure as feedback. Okay, and it doesn't matter how badly things can go. <laughs> For some of us, they can go really badly. <laughs> it's true. Go, oh, whoa, wasn't expecting this. 
but it's about being able to we we call it a third position shift where we become an observer and we take our emotions in it and we become an observer of what went well what didn't go so well and where are the little small steps that i can make shifts i had a launch fail for example and i'm going oh my god is it about me or how could it go so wrong and Everything about it was, it was all lined up and the pattern usually works and da 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 it was an epic fail. But then being able to take a little bit of time to step back, and I actually had to leave my office for a few days to do it, taking a little bit of time that went back and go, right, what went really well? Was it how I was paying attention? Was it consistency? Was it being lined up with, with my promotion? Did I have the right people on board? Was I putting the right things out there? So that part went well. What didn't go so well is I hadn't done the detailed marketing that I usually did before I launched something. So you can go, ah, that's why it didn't work. By not attaching your emotions to an event, you can become an observer and then you can make those changes that you need to make and do an assessment. I really love that because it makes me think of how when we fail, we label ourselves as a failure. And what you're doing is you're detaching that, no, the situation is separate from you. It doesn't define you. That's right. Your events can be a part of your story, but they don't need to define you. NLP NLP looks at people very differently, I think, from you talking about shadow work and other modalities. In NLP, your identity is a construct. So you can become be and do anything and anything you want to do based on a series of different conditions. So we talk about limiting beliefs and values reordering and behavioral strategies and all of that kind of good stuff. So we have the ability to disconnect from failure or from our past, recognize it, accept it and go, right, what do I want? Who do I want to be? Everybody who we talk about success engineering, but success is one of those global words that means so many different things to different people. For me, I'm learning to cook. Don't laugh. I am learning to cook. But success is a, to me is a meal where I don't stress about putting it all together on the right time and not burning it and all of that kind of stuff. So there's a small success. In the 80s, we were taught to measure success based on money and influence. So times have changed. I agree. And how do you think success is measured now? I'd like to think success is measured by how contented people are with their world. There's a strange question that we ask from time to time. And it says, how do you know you're you when you wake up in the morning before you have your first thought? It's a little bit mind-boggling and it's very difficult to answer. But that is the experience. If you're comfortable with your, in yourself, if you aren't feeling miserable about the day ahead or about your body, to me, that, that's pretty successful given the circumstances and the fears that people are facing today. I go, and many people go for contentment at the end of the day and satisfaction. You know, if I'm contented about my world and gratitude's a huge part of this and I'm being the best me I can be, then that's pretty successful. And I think it's more measured internally in how we feel into our world and how we do our world than how much money is in our back pocket. I completely agree with you. I love the birds in the background. (laughs) It's the middle of summer here and I live, my house is actually in a bird reserve. It's like I'm occupying their territory (laughs) and they're very noisy. It's very serene though. (laughs) (laughs) It is. New Zealand's a very unusual place. It is uh, Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit was filmed here and the scenery is real. You know, it's very green, very laid back pace of life, I think, than the rest of the world. And again, we were talking earlier about transitioning online and the experience that people are currently going through in the world and in New Zealand we went into full quarantine in March and April last year when it became prevalent and I think we did eight weeks and in that eight weeks only the supermarkets were open no cafes no Starbucks no McDonald's no fast food no you were only allowed to go within three kilometers and you were only allowed a very small 
bubble of people that you're allowed to humanly interact with. And New Zealand is, so the Guernsey Islands up in the UK and New Zealand are only places in the world that have freedoms that were like pre-COVID. So it's an unusual experience because you get to a stage where you can take it for granted, like you can take life for granted. Uh, you can take your traumas for granted. I am this because of, and the world experience is different, and that's where connection comes in, if that makes sense. But yeah, Kiwis were a weird lot. <laughs> With different experiences. One of the things I've been looking at is, particularly in the US, where state to state it's very different in the experience they're having, we have to create new rituals and new strategies under this experience because it could go on for longer. So we can't go back and do the things we used to do without conditions. Trauma imposes new conditions when we're in the experience. What, what the world's going through now is imposing conditions on things like freedom and mental stability and you know, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or the world doesn't know what's going to happen tomorrow and the systems are breaking down. So how do we as coaches in whatever field we do create new rituals to feel secure and feel safe because the human body and brain is designed for safety and security. That's what the comfort zone's all about. This world... Uh, experience we're all having is limiting freedoms. No, people don't feel secure consciously or unconsciously. So how do we help people through that experience? What we have to do is re-educate our unconscious to say, this is what we want. Okay. And then it's by putting in tiny little habits, like news of difference. If I'm going to call in more clients this month, for example, or money or whatever that new place you want to reach is, then what are the three things I can change this month that will show my brain I'm changing to meet these goals? And it could be changing your office space around if you have an office space, or it could be creating a new coffee ritual before you go to work in the morning, or it could be you know, uh, for some people, it's lighting candles or doing a state change. We talk about state all the time in NLP. When people go to a work, like in the corporate field or retail or whatever it is, they will get up, get showered, get dressed, hop in their car or walk to their job. And it creates a state change. Now I'm at work and this is how I behave. Quite often when people are working from home and online, they don't transition from being me offline and me working. Does that make sense? It does. I was going to mention that too. I love how you're creating transitions from home because that can be so difficult. Like we have our podcast area. I'm actually recording at the same time as my husband, so I'm using a different area of the house, but it's actually located in the kitchen, so I can easily look over and be like, oh my gosh, there's so many dishes there, and it's like, you know, like what you're saying, I could put up some barrier or something, so then it's like, okay, now it looks like a separate room. There is that too, but you can also change your state, and what I mean by changing your state is, as a podcaster in this part of your business and what it is you're doing right now, you're very professional, right? So what is your professionalist behavior, your tone of voice, how you're sitting, um, your physiology, which creates that shift in your brain, okay? People who struggle have often been sitting down a long time at their desk struggling, whether it's to write content or come up with a new idea or things like that. The minute they stand up, and they take some post-it notes and start sprinkling them on a wall or something, their state changes, so their thought patterns change and their neurochemistry changes. In neuroscience, they don't know what comes first, the state, your physiology, the neurochemical combination, or the emotions and thoughts. They're like a holy trinity. But the fastest way to access them is to change your state. 
change your state, you change your mind. I love that. It's it's just so interesting NLP and it makes so much sense to me. Like I I used to do like cold showers to change that state like you're talking about. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> that'll do it. Or before you go and do a podcast, if it's snowing or if it's cold where you are, step out your door, walk around the house once if you can, or if you're in an apartment, walk three times up and down um, with the open windows and then come back and sit down and then you've got what's called a pattern interrupt or a state interrupt and then you get to reboot. I like that. It reminds me of what I did today. I um, There's a coffee shop I love. It's um, it's called Valkyrie. It's, it's very, you know, it's that goddess god type of theme for me yeah but they were full today and I was like you know I'm pregnant I don't want to stand outside online waiting for coffee so I decided to change things up and go into a restaurant I've been wanting to go to with my husband and have a cappuccino and just like being in a different place like it was so much of a nice reset for me it didn't even take that long for me to reset and what that is it's brilliant it's news of difference hitting the brain Humans are creatures of habit, and habit keeps us safe, right? And it also becomes automated, right? When people have adapted to a trauma, some of the behaviors are adapted to keep people safe. Now, the unconscious will make stuff up. This equals this, this equals this, and it, it might not even be logical, but it's um, trying to make meaning and it's trying to make shortcuts because the brain needs to conserve energy. When we do something that's just a little bit different, like going to a restaurant instead of standing in the cold or driving to work a different way, or um, here's another one. I worked with a client who wanted to set a, a national record in cycling. And he would have really good race days and he'd have really bad race days. When we got to unpack it, it was as simple as this. On a bad race day, he would put his shoes and socks on the left foot first instead of the right foot. Totally unconscious, but the way his brain ran the program got a different result. That is so interesting. It's amazing. Yeah, you can change so many things. It's like the littlest Um, things. It's like, it makes you feel like you're traveling through time in a little way and then you're just using the information to change your life. That's it. And, and the other thing, a lot of, I mean, they think NLP is quick. A lot of humans have different time paces, if you like, about, so there's something called first order change and second order change. Some humans, like me, <laughs> if the Titanic's hit an iceberg and the ship's going to go down, I'm going to be bailing really fast. For other people, if, the Titanic's hit an iceberg, they just want to shift, you know, the deck chairs, or they want, in in the movie, if you remember the movie, they got the orchestra out to play as the water's piling into the ship to try and create a normalcy within the parameters of difference. Does that make sense? So it's first order change and second order change. So good NLP practitioners will work out whether you're acceptable to second order change, throw out the baby with the bathwater and try something new, or <laughs> tiny habits, taking one step at a time, calibrating. Did I get the results I wanted? Well, not quite. What else can I do? Did that work? No. Well, what's the next? Messy behavior. What's, the, what's different that I could try? And if it doesn't work, at least you're moving in a different direction. I love that. It makes me think of the fall of Rome too. They didn't have any money, but they kept putting on these different shows to keep society, you know, confused and just entertained, even though everything was falling apart. The fall of Rome is also a collapse of rituals and a collapse. Let's look at the world. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it is. The fall of Rome. (laughs) And this is why we, we go new rituals, new behaviors, new News of difference. No, we can't. A lot of people want to go back, back to the time before something happened. But we can't go back because we're not who we were after the experience. We'll always remember these years. We can't undo them. 
but we can create something wonderful from them. Very true. We get stuck in that, oh, the good old days saying. That's the one. And again, the unconscious mind, we like to be kept safe. So this is a little bit about brain training. If you want to achieve something that you've never achieved before, you have to teach yourself that it's possible by putting in news of difference. We call it news of difference, but a new action, a new thought, a new, you know, even the way you get up in the morning. I've had, I had a ritual for years where I'd put my feet on the floor, dive into the shower and grab my coffee. Now I take a deep breath. I check in with my body and go, am I contented, satisfied or stressed? Where am I? Okay, I'm just going to sit here for two minutes and then I'll get up and get coffee and I'll go back to bed. (laughs) So just changing those little rituals and behaviours can show the brain that difference is happening and once it's gone, oh, this is different. You go, we're enjoying this. Develop rapport with your conscious and unconscious mind and your body, then magic happens. I love that. That's like a, I had so many realizations today. I've been doing so much healing work and then now I'm trying to integrate. So now I'm realizing, I'm sure you know how that goes. Like everything's just like, it's like falling apart feeling, but I know it's falling together and it's going to be okay at the same time. Like, I, I think it's a mom issue too, in general, like you feel bad if you put time into yourself, but you know, as a business person, you have to be willing to take that time for yourself and you're totally worth that time. But even mums who aren't in business need to take time for themselves. Time we are responsible for our children is very short. And to be honest, we don't know what's going to happen. (laughs) That's the one thing I think these times are teaching us is the unpredictability of the world. But even if it's five minutes here and there, even if it's checking in and because mums tend to beat themselves up more than any other human out there. And being a mum doesn't come with a handbook. Oh, no. (laughs) Your your mum might have done it and your grandma might have done it and generations of women for years and years and years, but they're not you. So how do you do being a mum? And then we create all of these meanings. You're a good mum if. You're a good mum if. You're a good mum if you give your whole life to your children. But here's the problem. Without you, they don't have a mum. Without you, they don't have the experiences, their memories. So when people die, they, and I've seen quite a bit of it, they don't blame themselves for the things they didn't do. They look back and go, is this my life? And what is the legacy I'm leaving? You know, and they look at the happy memories, but we have to create those happy memories here. And playing the self-blame game, and trying to get it right and perfect is taking away the experience. When people are learning new things, particularly NLP, give yourself permission to play. When kids are learning, they're playing, they're discovering. They're not judging until they go to an exam and they get those horrible red cross marks or blue ticks. There's no judgment before that. There's a discovery and I think all learning, whether it's integration, or reintegration, or learning new information, give yourself permission to play, because as humans, there's no getting it right and getting it wrong, there's how well did I do today. I love that. It sounds like NLP is also very personalized. Like I remember you even asking me if something didn't work for me, then we could try something else. And like from what I'm hearing from you too, it's instead of being like, oh, there's a deadline on when I need to heal and get over this. It's, you know, like you're saying, you give yourself permission to play and see where it leads you and relax into it. Give yourself ease and grace. The first thing to do to change, whether it be a trauma or an event or an experience, is first of all, we have to accept that it happened. There's a word that's very common in the English language that I wish had never been invented, and it's called why. Why did this happen? Why does it have to be like this? Why aren't I this, or why aren't I that, or blah, 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 blah. And what that word why does, if you ask any child, why haven't you cleaned up your room, they'll go, I don't know, I wanted to play. It's going to be an excuse or a rationalisation. But if you ask for what purpose or 
what's my intention for being in this place or having this day or having this experience or feeling like the way I am or thinking the way I am? What does it get me? Then you've got an opportunity to move forward. If I have to ask why, why did my daughter get cancer? Why did I have this life journey? I don't think I'd want to get out of bed anymore. <laughs> but this experience, I have to accept it. Now, what can I do with it? What's important to me about having had this experience that is the difference that makes the difference? And your unconscious will bring all sorts of new flashes of intuition to your mind. We talk all the time about being kind to your mind and developing rapport with your conscious and unconscious. And the reason for that is your unconscious or your subconscious is a supercomputer. It's a superpower. It's got so much, connects us to the universe, connects us to experiences, connects us to people. It'll raise our limbs with us without even thinking about it. You know, if you want to raise your left arm, do you have to work out how to do it? Your unconscious does it for you. All automagically. So <laughs> when you develop rapport with your conscious and unconscious, then your unconscious can do incredible things for you. It can connect you to the divine. It can bring you blinding flashes of the obvious. It can set you on a path for happiness. But again, it's about accepting this is who I am. This is how I used to think. People who say, I'm not good enough, or I'm unworthy, or I did this wrong, or in that why question, they get stuck, but your unconscious is listening. The minute you can say, hey, we did the best with what we could do at the time, like to do better, please, how can we do that? Then you're having a conversation with your unconscious. That's much nicer than, God, I'm such an awful person. I love that. I started, well, I got certified in tapping like a week ago, a couple weeks ago. And we always say the whole, like, I love and accept myself exactly as I am. And you, you talk about, like you're saying, accepting whatever's going on. And even though that's happening, you still deserve your own love. So I was curious, how did you start working with business coaching? I'm what we call well past the yard arm. I'm over the half century. <laughs> so I had, <laughs> I had loads and loads of working experience before I fell into NLP. And I was always kind of known as the girl that could get things done. So I've always been what they call a solutions engineer. I don't believe there are problems. The problem is the symptom of a cause. And a problem is there like a little challenge to be solved. I love them. Whether it's the human mind or getting people from A to B or logistics or changing the law or whatever it might be. It's a huge background in corporate to start with. By the time I fell into NLP, I was already in a leadership position. So that became my experience. And then with NLP, I also did neurocommunication and neuroleadership, which are offshoots of neurolinguistic programming. And it was looking at how people who are leaders are leading. And there's a principle behind it that says, you know, if you're a mum, you're a leader. You're a leader of your children and your family. Who am I leading to where, for what purpose? Because yes, leaders need followers, but also the leader needs to know where they're going, whether it be in business, whether it be in life. People who become the leaders of their life or lifelong leaders are leading in a direction that they can predict or pre-frame or pre-plan or pre-program to get a result. When I first became a practitioner, I certified in 2005 and I got 10 free clients and I'm very new. I want to try some stuff on you. <laughs> so what's your biggest problem that you've had for the last five years and how, let me help you resolve it or lean into it or find a different strategy for it? And it worked like magic. Name got out and never looked back. Everything from establishing, working with coaches. I got certified as a life coach in 1999 and then did my life coach training but I always had a little bit of a problem with life coaching. It's a bit like mindfulness, and this is just me. Everybody's got a life, so why do they need a coach? My mind is full. Why do I need mindfulness? It's already full. So that was a really bad excuse. I had to go and discover. I had to go and unpack it because, you know, that's just born out of ignorance in my frame of the world. I think we as life coaches or we as enablers, I see coaching 
rather than people helping, we're enabling people to do something different. As coaches, we're not necessarily their mentors. We are enablers to take people on a journey to become somebody different from who they are when they meet you. So therefore, we're leaders. Where are we leading people to for what purpose? And how am I behaving as a leader? How am I doing leadership? So I fell into leadership coaching very early on. Look, neuro-linguistic programming, the linguistic part is all about languaging. Somebody might say, he's late, he doesn't love me. What's time got to do with how he loves you? (laughs) So these are things we say to ourselves, but there's a whole lot of missing information that we need to recover. And that's where the linguistic part of NLP comes in. And it's this... 33 language patterns in the meta model and then there's all the wonderful stuff from Milton Erickson who's the father of modern day hypnosis and the men who co-founded NLP basically looked at what was making these people so excellent they codified modeled it codified it and hence we have NLP that's amazing and I want to say thank you for so much for sharing like different aspects of your story and it just shows your strength though and how you bring that through for everyone else because you did it for yourself there's two parts to it one is i don't share a lot of my story because i've met people who have had a broken limb and it's the most freaky our scary terrifying thing that has ever happened to them their confidence is gone they're afraid of falling again they're afraid of repeating the experience it didn't make sense. It's like massive, what we call a catalyst event. So to me, it doesn't matter whether it's a death or um, how big the catalyst event is. Every single person has their own reference to how it affects their life. And I've never been one to say that, although <laughs> there are some people that go, you think your life is bad, you should meet this woman. Um, but... <laughs> because <laughs> I, I don't believe in comparisonitis because I think that all humans are incredibly amazing you know this planet is so gifted with every single human has a different way of seeing the world they have different experiences even twins and there's now been a lot of study on twins Twin, twins will go to the same movie and they'll hear and see different things So there are no two human brains that are alike. And that's like, I'm also learning astrophotography. And when you look up at the Milky Way and you see all of those stars that shine differently depending on the weather patterns, it would be pretty awful if they all looked the same. We wouldn't have that beauty and that contrast. And, you know, imagine if there was nothing but red roses in our world. That would be pretty boring. So I think... Every single person out there has a gift to offer the world. And it's their experiences, whether unwanted or wanted, that helps create this wonderful light. And it's my job and other coaches' jobs to help them shine their light. Dust off the diamond and off you go, honey. Just let's float that star a little bit higher so the world can see you and you can feel good about shining your light. Too many people hide. I love that. And so the things that I love from what you talked about, like from your videos and even now, and I think we missed, because I didn't start recording until after I asked you the question. If you want to talk about more, unless you think you did a lot of talking about it, about how simplifying is a huge thing for you the second husband died seven days after we got married but before that he had a heart attack so your life can change in 30 seconds and by simplifying your life and i'm not talking about decluttering you don't want to see my craft room it's really cluttery (laughs) there are spaces in my world (laughs) that are definitely not tidy But in your business and in your rituals and in your habits, if you keep them simple, so I have a principle in business that says, what are the three tasks that you can do in 20 minutes or less that keep the needle moving forward on your business or on your finances or on, so even cooking, right? My cooking is crap. (laughs) I 
I, I had to break it down. What's the problem with cooking is that in NLP, we have something called rep systems and submodalities, and I'm working on the wrong set. And when things have to come together all at a certain time, I get so stressed, so stressed. So I have to re rework the internal system and just mentally and emotionally rehearse de-stressing while I'm cooking, right? Not panicking. And at the moment, me that can remember everything, I bought Jamie Oliver's five ingredients, really simple, not too much to get confused by, very step-by-step and going, just keep referring back to the recipe, refer back to the recipe, refer back to the recipe and give myself permission not to remember, but to have an anchor that gives me confidence. So what are the three things I need to do in order to be successful to keep the needle moving forward? In any area of your life, from how you get up in the morning to how you go to bed at night and how you want to feel, self-edits is a really simple three-minute ritual that can change your brain completely. But you've got to remember how to do it and you've got to see the advantages of doing and changing your rituals. So keep it really simple, keep it small. Now, here's another one for you. My dishes used to pile up because it's just me and I don't get many visitors. And the ones that I do get, no, it's me. But I used to sit there and I used to look and go, damn, those dishes are really annoying me. They're going to take ages to do. And in your brain, you start to wind up these stories about how hard it is to do the dishes. When it's yes. five <laughs> minutes to put them in the dishwasher. The shortcut here is to put it on your schedule, five minutes, do the dishes, done. No judging yourself, no talking yourself into it. Because if it's a really tiny chunk of time, then we don't tend to miss it. If we think it's going to take an hour to do a 10-minute task, we're going to miss it. Does that make sense? So even something as simple as getting a cooking timer or a timer on your microwave or a timer on your watch, set it for 10 minutes, say, I'm going to clean up my workspace. You'd be surprised at what you can get done. And the fact that it's only 10 minutes, you haven't got time to procrastinate about it. You're not talking yourself into it. You know what you need to do and it's done. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. It's supporting myself before I have to do something. I love that. And it's time. See, the brain stores time very differently from... In the NLP, we've got something called a well-formed outcome, which is not time-based. There's the clock, which is linear, chunked into minutes and seconds. Now, that's relatively new. It's only three or 400 years old in the human experience. Centuries before that, we worked with the seasons, we worked with the daylight, we worked with the energy levels of how our bodies worked with the time of the planet, or the time of the earth, or the time of the day. And what's happened over the years is because if you fail to meet your goal by the, I don't know, 28th of February, then you're a failure, right? If we take out time and we chunk it down to keep it simple, 20 minutes or 10 minutes even, it takes me 10 minutes to plan my day. That's just one habit. And then it might take me 20 minutes to write a post or frame up a, a live or do my dishes. <laughs> so <laughs> we, don't, we don't miss the time, but when we agonize about the time we haven't spent yet, that's when we don't find success. That's like me working on my challenge or like, you know, anything new. It's just, I have that impression in my mind of what it must be like to go through it instead of like you're saying, just being like, okay, I'm going to spend this much time on it. And then, like you said, it goes by fast when you do that. Like, I know I've done that before in the past and I got to start doing that again. So one of the things for planning, if you're planning content or building a training, there's something in NLP trainers and it's called the Disney model. And it's really this simple. Get up out of your desk because that changes your state. So stand up, get a bunch of post-it notes or a whiteboard or a, a window markers in a window and just start dumping down words in context of your training course or your service or whatever like that 
and step back. And out of there, you will get so many content ideas, but you actually haven't done anything. It put, set, put some words on a wall or on a post-it note or on a window. And that's enough to get you started rather than agonizing. And it doesn't have to be perfect. They're just words on a post-it note or words on a window or words on a whiteboard. <laughs> and you can throw them out because it's not about... Humans think they need to be perfection, but perfection doesn't exist in nature. It doesn't exist in, in the human uh, biology or bioscience or any of that. So per perfection is a construct, but messy action leads to success. There's a I, couple of other, other things I'd like to offer is, first of all, the well-formed outcome, which is a different type of goal setting that activates the conscious and unconscious mind. So I don't know if you have linked to files or anything like that. So I'll email you that. And the other one is to... Be really, really excited to do something different. Your emotions about how you're doing what you're doing make a huge difference to how you're thinking. Feeling like it's too hard or that we have to be perfect or that things need to be right is probably the biggest inhibitor to feeling happy in the world and feeling satisfied that I know of. And I don't believe people are broken. They've just had an experience that's different. I love all that. And you made me think of when I used to do stand-up comedy, I purposely would like start doing push-ups before I got on stage. Then I would go on like, I wouldn't let the room affect me. It was me bringing the room instead. Because otherwise, if I were just to walk into the room, whatever feeling was in there, I would take that and act from that. And sometimes it would be the worst feeling. And then, you know, like you, you start to crumble because you're relying on the outside world. And it makes me think of also how you probably saw my post. I've been doing like a Facebook relaxation for myself. And it's been me coming back to myself and hearing myself and hearing my needs and hearing what do I think is going on in the world? How do I feel about it? Instead of being like, oh, everyone else feels like that. So then I feel like that. It's been so relaxing to not hear all the noise. <laughs> and that's where a lot of noise comes from. And it's totally, so there's something in the brain called oxytocin and mirror neurons. It comes back that in order for, for us to survive, we had to make ourselves liked by others. Otherwise, we were thrown out of the cave or thrown out of the tribe or uh, disenfranchised or whatever it is. So this is a normal human uh, thing that we do to make ourselves fit and be accepted. It's also part of the whole oxytocin thing. Mirror neurons is all about rapport and um, it's also known as monkey see, monkey do. So if I like you, then you'll like me. Therefore, I'm acceptable in the race or tribal culture or family or whatever it is. But it's all about me being a reference to others than us being, hey, this is me. And in the big wide world now, there are people that don't like me. And if they don't like me, then do I like myself? And the minute you don't like yourself, you've got a problem because then you're at effect of others. You're not affecting others. Sorry, I hit the wrong button. <laughs> um, <laughs> a pregnancy brain. You're not helping me. Uh, oh, that's true too. <laughs> Do you know about that one? Your brain actually shrinks when you're pregnant. I didn't know that, but I do believe yes. it. <laughs> it, sh it shrinks by three to five percent. Oh my gosh. Um, create an extra barrier to keep the brain safe while it's carrying a newborn or, or while it's, you know, developing a newborn. Because without your brain, things don't happen. You don't live, do you? So the brain, one of its primary functions is to keep the body safe. Women get pregnant and it's magical. The brain, the, the uh, barrier between the actual brain muscle and the skull extends the brain shrinks and to create an extra buffer to keep the woman's baby safe while it can make a baby how cool is that so baby brain is real <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing is absolutely amazing to me that like you're saying that the body does like i've been like I told you, I've been having issues with detox and I've been like, oh, I'm so worried about the baby and stuff like that. But it's like my body is holding on to things in case I ever can't eat. 
And I know that. So it's like, yeah, if I have to have soup for a few days, it's really not a big deal. My body is equipped for all of this. It's just amazing. Um, it's been equipped for hundreds of thousands of years. <laughs> yeah, it's ready to starve. It honestly is. It's hilarious in itself. But yeah. And, and that's the thing. We put so much pressure on ourselves to do the right thing and be the right thing and be the perfect person. Where we forget that how long have humans been around? <laughs> right. Getting in touch with your intuition because now there's so much information and there's so much shoulds and have tos and conformism and all of that kind of stuff that we lose. This is why I love what you're doing. We lose being in touch with ourselves and being able to read what's going on. We become dissociated from ourselves because we're associated to the outside world. Exactly. I'm, I made like a shadow work workbook, but it's for online stuff. I created this like last month and then now I've been taking this time off. I have a feeling my challenge is going to include, and it's like, it's hilarious to me, like to do a challenge on Facebook and be like, Hey, part of this challenge is you taking a break from being on here. (laughs) So and we'll see who can do it. Well, there's the other thing. So I don't, I, you, you, you have caught up with me. I bailed. I literally bailed on my business. I bailed on my life. I went walkabout in Christchurch. So there was a massive earthquake in Christchurch 11 years ago. And one of the things that prevents the rebuild is politics and religion. That's another story. I was working four o'clock in the morning till four, five, six at night. I wasn't taking weekends off. And I did that for nearly a year. Oh, I did have a week off to have surgery. And, but in the meantime, I was still following people, catching up, writing notes, things like that. And I literally bailed. And taking a break is giving yourself permission to succeed. If you're constantly working towards something that you're not getting there quick enough, the best thing you can do is take a break because who are you and who are you becoming isn't just about what you're doing. In fact, it's only what you're doing is only 20% of your world. That's why simple actions can get you going a long way, but it's about who you are and how you impact the world and how you impact your own life and, and those of your children and those of, you know, the world around you and you had to know yourself in order to understand that yeah rest is definitely productive i definitely agree on that and it's been very productive for me to take a break so one thing that's been new for me from what we were talking about with you know facebook and needing that approval from the outside world instead of me looking at how many likes i get on a post now i wake up and i go well what will make me like myself because we don't really think about that What's going to make me happy today? Right, exactly. That's, that's another wording for it. Instead of like, yeah. what would make me hit the like button for my own life? <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Can you write that down somewhere, please? You I can, like yeah. My life. I love it. Um, and that's it. That's got to be the model of the world. You know, this, this world we're living in is, to me, it's mind-blowing. Now, I've worked with Vietnam vets. Um, my father was a soldier, did two tours of Vietnam as well. But you can see what a war zone looks like. You can experience it. You can hear it. You, all of your senses are on override. We're in a different kind of war, but we can't see what's coming. It's invisible, um, and we're hyper-aware. So to me, the world we're living in requires more of ourselves to be happy in the moment because we don't know the moments yet to come. The unknown variable right now in the world is crazy. How do we hit the like button every day? And it's a daily thing. It's a moment thing. Stop at lunchtime and say, how did I hit the like button this morning? Okay, didn't do that very well. How can I do it this afternoon? So we can reboot any time. We don't have to wait for Monday. I love that. Yes. Uh, And it's so cool that that's part of your work to work with veterans. I love that too. Uh, PTSD is, NLP looks at it as, an event fires like you might hear a sound and suddenly the emotion and there will be an action that happens almost all at once 
And what we do is just separate the systems or the programs they're running on and then dissociate the emotions. Trauma, we don't so much look at the story, we look at the pattern that the person is telling themselves through the linguistic part. And we check that their life is in a place where they want to move forward. It's called an ecology check. And then we just dissociate some of the emotions so it's like a snapshot in your past. You know, it's like, oh, I went and drank wine in Florence. I can no longer remember what the wine tasted like, but I can still hear the man's voice singing and that was really lovely. So it becomes the memory gets smaller um, and we dissociate from it, but we don't delete memories anymore. NLP used to delete memories. We don't do that anymore because you delete all of the learnings See, resilience, unfortunately, you can only get resilient after you've had an event. <laughs> Doesn't come before. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a different way of looking at the world, a different set of filters. Uh, I love how it can help people from all walks of life. Person who had depression for 25 years, gone in three sessions. Wow, it's so powerful. And you even mentioned in your live video about how just three sessions for yourself and it was transformational. Absolutely. And, and again, it's not dealing with the story of the trauma because that's when we've got a different life we want to live and don't want to be the, whether it's a trauma victim, I don't like the word victim. I believe experiences are experiences and how we view them in ourselves. And you were talking about whether or not we're hitting the light button on our life. There comes a time. So if somebody's depressed, you can't say do this and get over your depression. You've actually got to meet the person where they are, find out what, what's possible, then make it probable, then dissociate the experience of depression. Depression is a program that people have been doing for many, many years. Having said that, there's a difference between neurochemical depression and experiential depression. So that's another check that we make as well. This is just so interesting. And you also teach NLP, right? Yes, I'm a new code and classic code neurolinguistic programming trainer. Uh, got certified in 2010. So I've been running offline courses for a long time. When I fell down, I've got an epic set of stairs, fell down them, did my back and broke my ankle, uh, closed the office in Wellington. This is before COVID hit. And for a couple of years, been looking at putting my training online. So do train online. I run masterclasses online. And I work one-to-one. -one. But I think NLP, it's not for everybody because some people like the long therapy stuff. I think all modalities have a wonderful way of working in the world for different people. But there's so many different people. With NLP, it's like, yeah, I'm ready to be something different or do something different or move forward with my life or create a different result. And that's what I like about it. Some people don't have a lot of time. NLP, the laser coaching, 20-minute sessions once a week. Boom, done. It's like going to the gym. Gym for your top two inches. <laughs> so we're just working on different programs in the mind and changing and calibrating. So I love how fast it is. I love teaching it. I was trained by John Grinder, who trained Tony Robbins, and he was the co-founder with Richard Bandler and a man called Frank Pichalik, who developed NLP back in the late 70s, early 80s. That's really cool. Uh, and could you tell me more about what other services you offer and where we can find you? I, don't, I want to make sure I don't forget that here. <laughs> so I do have, now have a Facebook group called NLP and Coaching Mastery. I do webinars. I do free trainings in there. I'm live. I have a group of people who will reach out to me and say, hey, got this wee problem, and I'll DM them back and things like that. Just done a review in January of what's happening in the world and changing services. So uh, there is training. I now run online NLP certification for practitioner and do one-to-one -one in a variety of different packages. So it's a great place. You can also find more about me and my business side with my business partner, at www.mindskillsmastery.com and there's also a page in there where you can deep dive more into what NLP is. Awesome and I'm going to add all your links for your Facebook <laughs> and your website too in the show notes. 
Well, the other thing is, I think that coaching, I mean, I saw a, a report come out of the World Health Organization last week. Because of what's happening in the world, more and more and more, and more people need new strategies to cope. And this is where coaching is becoming more wanted in the world than counseling and traditional therapies. Because people want new tools and new resources. A coach calibrates and helps people develop new resources so they can do things in their life that meet an outcome. So I love enabling coaches um, to grow a it's more about their own confidence and stepping into their self-worth and their business, things like business success, made simple, doesn't have to be hard, and keeping the needle moving because the world needs coaches. And I think the world needs NLP too, but that's just my favorite modality. I love that. I hope you use that business made simple. <laughs> it's... <laughs> There's like part of it like, no, it isn't. And it's like, but it sounds amazing. Well, it's funny. It's funny you should say that because um, because of the NLP Guild, which is an international set of standards for NLP, there are no certifications for coaches who work online. Now, because of the world, people have stopped having coaching or clients in person. So it's all via Zoom or via... Um, technological interfaces, if you like. So how are people working with people and how are they growing their business and how are they coaching and how are they using the neuro-linguistic programming communication tools and strategies to get results online? Because I know for me, since going online, it's a very different experience. So there's something we're looking at developing. We're running mindset audits. We've got free mindset audits coming up in the group for February. These are pretty cool. Where are you, where you're at, and where you want to be? And here's some language patterns that we can implement. And then at the end of the month, we're going to teach coaches how to do it for their business. This has just been really awesome. Is there anything that you want to cover that I didn't cover? I did this in a different format this time. I tend to come up with like 10 questions, and then it expands out to where we could be like almost two hours long. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so I wanted to try to just be more natural this time. No, no, you're fine. Um, the one thing I want to say to all of your listeners is that you are who you are and you are where you are. And there are times where we think we don't have choices. But if you trust the human race, if you trust, you know, how successful humans have been on the planet, if you trust that you've made it this far in your life, however far that might be, and that's an incredibly successful outcome. I think there's a one in 400 trillion chance of you being you, being born in this world right now. And that's pretty spectacular. That's a pretty unusual success. So celebrate or just recognize and accept that this is now and then choose what you want for tomorrow in whatever field you're in. That is one of the favorite things that you said to me. I mean, there's so many powerful things you said to me in our one call that we had, just realizing that. And it makes me even more excited about, I have like a hard day coming up for me. It's, um, I don't talk to my mom and it's her birthday coming up. And I thought to myself, well, it's my second birthday in a way, because I wouldn't be here without my mom. So, and to think about what you just said, like that brings it together for me more to just make it a celebration day for myself. Well, it is a celebration because unfortunately, I'm sorry, you wouldn't be here without your mother. And exactly. Actually, you weren't born from her eggs. You were born from her mother's eggs. There's another little biological fact for you. <laughs> That's funny. That's very true. Yeah. <laughs> so you're taking your mother out of the picture. Go, thanks, mum. I was born. I'm having a great life. Happy birthday to me. Woo! <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> but you do have to reframe it. And our parents can do so much damage. They can be absolutely loving and wonderful. And some of us aren't fortunate. Um, but what we do have is a series of experiences that help us be more fortunate when we're working with others or when we're raising others or, you know, we have a choice not to be conditioned by our past experience of how we were raised because we don't want it like that. We're empowered to be different. 
because of unwanted events or experiences. I really love that. Was there a time where you weren't so empowered with how you talk like you do now? Was, was oh, oh, oh gosh, okay. You're like, yes, there was. I wasn't like this before. <laughs> I know I wasn't. So. Oh, wow. So part of it is I think when you get to a certain age, and like I said, I'm a bit past the yard arm, um, you get to a stage where this is me, this is what I want, I'm going to get it. After losing two husbands, I kind of get the idea that a white picket fence and happily ever after is not going to kind of be my life. But there's another thing I picked up that, and this is, might sound a bit woo-woo, holistic, but so I heard a quote many years ago that says, we are a piece or you are a piece of the divine plan. You are an unrepeatable piece of the puzzle for the divine plan. So that means that somewhere the universe or God or, you know, the divine plan wants what it wants, despite what we want. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yes, we become unresourceful, but in knowing that we're unresourceful, I mean, Keith was supposed to live for quite a few more years, but he died seven days after we got, ma I, we got married. So it was the Wednesday in, or the Wednesday afterwards. And I went to the post and I was getting congratulations on your wedding, condolences on your loss in the same post. And I was so, I just couldn't process it. I was, I got oh, nothing going on here. I was, what the hell? So that funny little thing popped me and I said, I don't know what to do with this, but here I am and I'm just going to bail. Like I told you, I bailed on my business. You get the trust to just go, can't cope. Nothing I need to do. NLP resources help take actions and your, you know, three things to keep the needle moving forward that are really simple. If you can do that, then you've ticked off your day and go, right, now I can. The, thing, the other thing is that we talk about negative emotions. All humans have emotions, anger, sadness, fear, whatever they are. But they're either wanted or unwanted. And for a long time, people haven't been taught how to process unwanted emotions. And when we're sad or when we're angry, like if I'm getting angry, you bet I'm going to enjoy it because I've taught myself how to enjoy anger. <laughs> if I'm sad, I'm going to go, okay, if, I'm, if I've got to turn up and deliver something or, you know, perform or be out there in the world, I'll say, okay, let's get a handle on this. At two o'clock this afternoon, I'm going to give time for sadness to run, okay, because sad is just an emotion. It's when we label it that we come undone. And I'm going to let, I'm going to, uh, lean into sadness and allow myself to have a big howly bag and cry and melt down. And then after an hour, I'm going to get up and do something else. And I have a list of things. It could be do the dishes, go for an ice cream, stand on the deck, go and clean up my sock drawer, whatever, really simple. But what you're doing is you've allowed the unwanted emotion to be processed without labels, judgments and conditions and then you go and change state by doing something else. And that way we can lean into the unwanted emotions because where emotions get stuck is when we don't know how to process them. I'm feeling sad because blah, 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 blah. And it could be that time of the month or it could be I haven't had any sleep and I've been working too hard and da, da, da. No, I'm feeling sad because I'm feeling sad. I like how you take out the polarity when you're calling it negative or positive and you're saying wanted versus unwanted. I like that wording better. I do too, because look, we all have the same emotions. Well, we have the same neurochemistry, which creates the emotions. What comes after is prefrontal cortex, which creates logic, meaning, and that part of it's pretty useless when you're trying to process emotions that are just what they are. You know, sometimes for some clients, it helps if you put a color over the emotion, like if you're feeling really sad, uh, make it green or, you know, imagine it like water cascading or give it, give it a, what we call a, a metaphor, a submodality, and let that run with the emotion rather than trying to make meaning of how you're feeling. 
that way you can move through it much quicker. That definitely makes sense to me. Little piece of magic. It, it does come from NLP though. If you've got a flower garden, weeds are just unwanted plants. We want to keep the flowers, we don't want the weeds, but you know, they're still a plant, they're just unwanted. That's very true, yeah. I still grew something even though it's not what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we grow stuff, humans grow stuff even though it's not quite what we wanted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yes, so I, I, I just love what you're doing in the world. Been following you for quite a while now. And this magic happening. And I love how you're helping people shine through the things you're learning and doing and being. Because I think that in this time of being disconnected through COVID and, and, and the way we find ourselves is uplifting and being human is far more important than being removed onto a stage. Thank you. I love what you do too. It's just fascinating to me. Thank you. It's easily learned. <laughs> okay. So I'm very naughty. I say it's not rocket science, but it's simple when you know how to make it simple, but there's a lot to learn before it becomes simple. It's like you have to learn to tie your shoelaces and well, people don't really have shoelaces, but I remember when I was four learning to tie my shoelaces. Jeez, what an effort. <laughs> now I don't even think about it. <laughs> so new behaviors, new habits, new wanting to wake up, getting satisfied is going to take practice. And giving yourself permission to practice, update, upgrade, shift, change. Give yourself permission to not get it right, but to have the experience is far more important than expecting it to get it right first time. I agree. Just giving yourself again that grace. I love that. Grace is a form of power all in itself you know and, and I don't think people connect power and grace together but it, grace is not only about how you move and how you talk but it's also giving yourself grace we talk about the grace of God or the grace of life or the grace of giving and those I think are more important in the world now than anything else what a fun, powerful episode with Karen. Definitely go check out the show notes for all of her links. Also get a link to her well-formed outcome document, which is absolutely amazing to work with. 